Welcome to What's So Funny, a comedy podcast where we talk about some of the most influential and controversial comedians from the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. Sit back, relax, and get ready to laugh. Here's your host, Dave Schwanson. Hi, welcome to What's So Funny. I'm Dave Schwenson. And today I'm joined by Tom McGallis and Logan Rashaw. Who's out there? Tom, what are you doing, man? man? You know, we get to talk. We get to talk about comedians. But I'm doing art. You know that. That's what I mostly do is the art stuff. That's Um, right. I'll plug myself, TomMcGallis.com. Oh, Uh, hey, you snuck that in there, didn't you? See how I snuck that in? So if people want art for their homes, (laughs) you're you're supposed to promote these days. I'm just I'm just signing an invoice I'm sending you for advertising. Hang on a second. Thank you. Yeah, put that on. (laughs) Well, there's Logan. I hear him. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Logan uh, Rashaw is with us. Logan. Dave, Tom, good to be with you guys. Yeah, I'm man. really glad we have this new format because, uh, I, Tom, we've talked one time and it was, we did a live thing together for the show. So I'm excited yeah. for us to just like yeah. go back and forth on comics now too. And then Dave, it's always good to talk with you. <laughs> I'm glad somebody feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> but Logan, yeah, what have you what you've been doing? What about the comedy industry? I know you were getting some stage time and organizing some festivals going there, but... Uh, yeah, so yeah. we had... Two festivals planned for this year. Both are kind of postponed. In the meantime, I put together a book of short stories. So you can actually get it on Amazon while we're plugging things. Yeah. It's called Albert Catmou. It's a really fun pun. Ooh. And uh, it's just short stories and essays and things that I had as weird stand-up bits that didn't quite work that way. Put into story form and out there for $10 on Amazon. That's what you do. Weird stand-up comedy bits that don't work, put them in a book. That's absolutely why waste anything. You're like a good, you're a good butcher. You know, you don't waste meat. I had like 10 minutes about how Weezer and Picasso have the exact same career trajectory and it didn't work on stage all, all the time. I love oh, that. I, I, I so, love that. I do too. How cool is that? Yeah. Weezer right, well, and as Picasso. Long as, as long as you're doing that, I'm going to plug my new book coming out soon. It's called Something to Laugh About and it's 144 <laughs> humor columns I wrote for uh, various wow. newspapers. A number of years ago. I edited some out, so that's why we only have 144 of the book. <laughs> but uh, we're just finishing that up, so I'm sure the next couple of times we talk, I can plug when it'll be uh, on sale somewhere. That's but so let's great. Move. Exciting. But let's get to what we're, the purpose of us talking now today, and it's the uh, legendary comedian Freddie Prinz. Wow. It's exciting to talk about this guy. It is, but it's also like almost heartbreaking. To be honest with you, I mean, this is the this is like a Hollywood movie. Yeah. This kid, uh, I mean, like the the rise and fall. Yeah, there's so it. much, and it's just like three or four years that everything really happens. So with Freddie, I didn't know much going into this, just because uh, it's tough to find any of his real like albums or even Chico and the Man. You can't find on streaming sites. So oh, you can't I didn't find know that. a ton. They took they took that off at some point because it was running. I thought on some of those old. TV I networks. I, I saw I saw an episode recently when I knew we were going to talk about Freddie yeah. Prince. I dug one out and I watched it. Uh, early 1970s. I mean, it was like, what, 74, 73, 74, yeah, 75? He, he did, yeah, he did three seasons and he died uh, at the end of the third season. Well, it's a really a tragic story about him. And I hate to, I don't want this to be a downer because we are talking comedy, by yeah. the way. <laughs> I mean, he had a meteoric, uh, what do you call that, rise. I mean, just yeah. fast and, you know, fast rise and fall. Uh, is what it is. In some ways, you know, I mean, as we get into this and talk about the guy, uh, one of his good friends, David Brenner, said mm-hmm. it was kind of like, and he was a great comedian in his own right. He said uh, it was kind of, you know, this kid uh, climbed out of the subway in the Bronx and, and steps into a limo 
in Beverly Hills. In like, yes. a, he said it was just wasn't a transition; it was an eruption, and it would screw with anybody's mind. So he yes. attributes that his his quick rise to fame is being the problem of it all. It's and it's amazing though you you that you know his buddy the eighteen year old didn't skyrocket because once you got on Carson you were kind of a made guy made comic I mean you got you were booked you 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 were like anointed you're ready to work you that's know? what they said if Johnny Carson well, I read this somewhere if Johnny Carson mentioned your name if he uttered your name <laughs> there you were you were in the fraternity of made comedians they were casting that TV show Chico and the Man they needed a Latino young man actor. And they saw him on Johnny Carson, and they said, there he is. That's the guy. Uh, well, he almost got bumped from Johnny Carson, is yeah. one thing that I had read. Uh, one of the producers saw him and just did not like him. They didn't like his style. They were planning on bumping him, and they had Diane Keaton on first, and she did great. And they had Sammy Davis Jr. as the second guest. And they were like, we're just going to let Sammy talk. We'll bump the kid, yeah. which wow. happened a lot. Yeah. And Sammy ran out of things to talk about after about three minutes. And they were like, well, <laughs> I guess we'll put him up. He'll bomb. And then the casting director will get fired. And then he killed, and Carson loved him. Well, that's the other thing, too. Do you know this? He was the first comedian for the first time. I mean, the big deal was to be on Carson. It, later on, if he pulled you over to the couch to sit next to him on the chair next to the desk, that was a star-making thing. He never, ever did that with a comedian the first time they were on the show, until Freddie Prinze. He was the first one. You think, you think some of that had to do with the fact, I mean, that he really was a kid, you know? This yeah. was a young kid, and, and, uh, and they called him that. I mean, people uh -huh. that worked with him, like Jimmy Walker and people that knew him said, you know, he was just a kid. He was a, a kid, you know, and he was, and we never forgot that. that that's kind of, and that maybe was part of his demise, that he was a young dude. Yeah, you think about it. He was 19 years old. Yeah. He was sitting next to Johnny Carson. And Johnny, he looks starstruck when yeah, he gets he pulled is. over next to Carson. <laughs> I mean, every comic is. You look at, When you finish your set of The Tonight Show, they look at Carson. They just hope to get that OK sign. Remember Johnny used to do that? Like, you know, the, like the little rascals. OK. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, You're on. And, you made it. Yeah. And Freddie Prinze looked over at him, and Carson called him over. Come here and sit down in the chair next to the desk. No comic had done that the first time on Carson. And I'll tell you what happened. I'll tell you, this, this opened the door. This is such a, I mean, Freddie Prinze is more important to the comedy industry than I think a lot of people realize. Because before that, the comedy industry was centered in New York City, right? Yeah, the, right. The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson filmed at 30 Rock, Rockefeller Center. The improv was in New York City. That's where all the comics performed. They all had to go on The Tonight Show. And The Tonight Show moved to Los Angeles. And not long after that, Bud Friedman opened up the L.A. Improv on Melrose Avenue. Yeah, and uh, Freddie Prinze went out there to perform, and he kind of had this night show. So all these New York comics, I'm talking about Dave, you know, David Letterman, well, he was in yeah. Indiana, I think, or whatever, and Jay Leno was sitting up in Boston. All these guys had their TV sets on. They knew Freddie Prinze from the New York Improv, and all of a sudden they look up, and he's sitting next to Johnny Carson. <laughs> yeah. They all packed their bags and moved to L.A. And he, and yeah, and it's uh, what's weird is that you know a, a lot of people don't realize too, and 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 you saw part of that, Dave. But the comedy it, back then there weren't a lot of clubs, and it was uh, it wasn't like a a, a a career choice for a lot of people. You really had to want to do this um, mm -hmm. because some of the some of those comics even um, uh, even Chappelle I think once said you know that. They were viewed as, you know, like just step above, step above jugglers. And it was a hard, you know, you're just opening for people. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't like a, a big career where you're going to play arenas and, 
And had Freddie gone on, as you look at him, you you go, man, for as young as he was, he was really relaxed and smooth, man. Uh-huh. And it and you went, this guy was gonna go, he was gonna play arenas, he was gonna he was gonna be a huge comedian and just never got out got out of that sort of first initial jolt. Well, I think from when I what I understand, oh yeah, just you know, I mean, it, success. It is a story. It's like a movie. It's it's the rise and fall, tra- tragedy. You know, it's because you think of this. At 19 years old, there he was. He's on Johnny Carson. Everybody sees him. All of a sudden, he's got his own network television show. He's 19 years old, 20 years old, and they're throwing money at him, and the girls are throwing themselves at him, and he's yeah. got cars, and he's got. I mean, just it. It really is that story. I mean, you think about yourself when you're 19 years old. Forget you know, about here's a, it. Here's a million bucks. What are you going to do? Forget well, it. Yeah. <laughs> let me get bl- back yeah. to you next week. <laughs> lots of drugs. He did lots and lots of drugs, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. Um, they, they it'll burn you out, out quick. But, I uh, mean, going from nothing to everything. Yeah. And that's what happened to him. And Jimmy Walker is, said that, you know, he would he would go to like uh, bookstores, like on uh, um, Coanga. He would go sit out there and, and like at the bookstore where they sell the magazines and everything. Yeah. And uh, he said, you know, he knew he was on the cover of one. So he would stand there by the newspaper <laughs> and then someone would come up and go, wait a minute, are you? And he goes, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm Tony Orlando. He, I think he played that joke because he, he looked like it. But they went on and he goes, oh, I'm just, I'm buying a magazine. And, I'm, you know, I just happened to, oh man, yeah, that is my cover. You want me to sign it for you? And um, Jimmy Walker said the next year uh, or that, shortly after that, John Travolta was on the cover and uh-huh. Freddie was like, I'm going to go kill that guy. I'm going to go. And he, and he had this whole like thing where he went and bought a bow and arrow. It was just insane. Shot a bow, an arrow into Travolta's door. I think he lived on Sunset. He goes, you know, he wanted to be the biggest thing. You know, he had a massive, massive ego for a young kid. And that's going to happen when you, you know, pop the way that he did so quickly. Mm-hmm. You are going to think you're the best and anyone who el- who's doing as well is taking it from you. Well, just think when you're that young, too. I mean, this is how they think. When he made it big, he went back to New York and he rented a stretch limousine, right? He had a stretch limo, had it pull up in front of his old high school, LaGuardia's <laughs> High School of the Performing Arts. And he got out of the limousine and he'd been a dropout. And everybody was, oh my God. And he said he was ta- they were ta- he was taking students for rides, mostly the girls, rides around the block in this limousine, you know, because he was living it up. He became a star. Yeah, he had the, 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 the Chico and the man was about the guy who had a garage. Right. And it was in a, in a Mexicano, Mexican, Latino neighborhood. And Chico was bugging him. And he was like, get out of here. We call him all kind of insults and stuff. And then it finally became like a father-son kind of thing. But, you know, there was a little bit of um, people kind of against Freddie Prinze having that part because he wasn't Mexican. No. And they, they couldn't understand why. And again, I mean, this, this has been going on in Hollywood for years and years. They were like, why can't they have a, a Mexican actor, Latino? You know, that way. Freddie Prinze was Puerto Rican, half Puerto Rican. The rest of them half German. He was perpetuating the stereotype. I think he was already getting like flack from it because he was mm-hmm. doing like, uh, he's not my job, you know, that whole thing. Yeah, I mean, that was a big part of his act was really stereotypes, at least in the beginning. Wasn't it though, Logan? I mean, all, a yeah. lot of his stuff that you look at is, and he even says, you know, I'm poking fun at all kinds of people. And he did, you know, from black to Chinese to everybody. Well, you look at his very early act. And again, you got to remember how young he was. And I kept thinking, oh, you know, yeah, what if, he's if, 19. If he had lived, yeah, if he had lived over the age of 22, if he had hit his 40s, 50s, 60s, how would he have matured? You know, and Freddie Prinze was just a kid. He was just, he was college age yeah. when he died, you know. And so right. you look at his early act, it is all stereotypes. 
Okay. And, and it wasn't deep. It was just kind of funny little riffs. It was similar to watching like an impressionist. Yeah, like where an impressionist close. is like, okay, here's the setup. Here's how Obama would react. Here's how Christian, Christopher Walken would react. Yada, yada, yada. Where he was like, here's a setup. Here's what he a white guy good. would say. Here's what a Puerto Rican would well, say. That's it. Yeah, here's what a German would say. Here's yeah, what a black it is guy that. would say. Yeah, here's what it, an Italian guy would say. A Jewish guy would say. Yeah, a gay and he would guy, just go through that. It was, that. I, watching his first uh, earlier sets... It felt like someone who was auditioning, like someone who was putting together a reel. For like, like here's SNL, my character for SNL or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it worked because he got Chico and the Man. Well, you know that that made me think, guys, that had Freddie continued on to live, I think he would have become a, a deeper actor. I think it would have transitioned from that uh, because even in Chico and the Man, he does a nice job. You know, um, I thought he was a pretty good actor. Mm, yeah, you know, it's, uh, there's not enough. He didn't didn't leave enough behind for us. Yeah, I think he only did one movie, other than did he do other a movie? than Chico and the Man. He did a TV movie. Oh yeah, yeah. What was that? Do you remember the name of Logan? I, I don't even remember. There was a movie, but but he never really went beyond it because, like you said, there was a small. It was a small, uh, you know, serving size of him that we. So what did we really see? Yeah, Except he did a heist movie called Million Dollar Ripoff, and okay. that was like a year the year before he died. Okay. Well, you know, I brought this up before we uh, started here today that uh, uh, we mentioned before he was good friends with Tony Orlando. If people remember Tony Orlando and Dawn, yeah, you know, tie, tie a yellow, yellow ribbon. ribbon. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> and, and they looked like brothers. I mean, they, they kept playing that up. You know, they both, at that time, it's the early 70s. It was the long, dark hair, the droopy mustache. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're both Latino. And they, they did kind of look like each other. But I saw uh, a clip of this because they had a TV show, Tony, Tony Orlando and Dawn. They had their own variety television show, like everybody did in those days, like Sonny and Cher and the Smothers Brothers and Glenn Campbell. And uh, at one point, when they announced the opening, they come out, Tony Orlando and Dawn would always sing a song to open the show. And they open it and says, ladies and gentlemen, Tony Orlando and Dawn. And they come walking out and it's Freddie Prinze. It's not Tony yeah, Orlando. Nice. <laughs> And he's with Dawn, and he actually sings. He sing, I can't uh, I can't remember the name of the song he sings. He was really good. I mean, he was good, and it was like, and he sang with Dawn. And then at the end, you know, the girls are like, they think it's Tony Orlando. They didn't know there's any difference. <laughs> and, and he's goofing that Tony Orlando's introduced as Freddie Prinze. Don't you know that you're a grown up? I'm a grown up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days being a grown up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> So, uh, he was, I mean, I, I think he was a, I think he really was a good all around talent. I mean, he was a good mimic, you know, he could sing, um, you know, and I, I, it's, it's the drugs and the depression, man. I mean, you know, if anybody's listening to this that has depression and, and, and you, or knows somebody and goes, man, you know, why, why would it happen to him? He was ready to sign a $6 million NBC he deal. It. He did sign did, it. I thought he did sign it. Yeah. That's a, that was a ton of money, man. What is that? 40, 30 million in today's dollars or 20 million. I, I mean, just, and that wasn't enough. 
You know, yeah. I mean, his, his marriage had broken up, a year and a half marriage, and he had a child, and, and uh, he was a depressed dude. Yeah, I mean, but you, you, you watch these interviews, you really get into his, you know, life story and stuff. I mean, there was a lot of cocaine going oh, God, on. yeah. And uh, quaaludes. I heard he was addicted to quaaludes. Yeah, I think that's what his booze. DUI was for, right? He had yeah. gotten a DUI in the last year of his life, and it was for driving on quaaludes. That was like, last year was like in November. Uh, he died in January, what did I say, it was 1970? Yeah, January of 77. 77, so in November of 76, he got a DUI. But see, his life was spiraling. Here he was on television, first of all, Chico and the Man, a star. He was on magazine covers, even on a cover of Rolling Stone. Come on, you're a rock star when that happens. And uh, yeah, and he got married, just had a baby, Okay, and, and he had a reputation also for guns and trying to scare people. Oh, there's a good combo, huh? Drugs and, and yeah. guns. So, and he would play Russian roulette. He shot up Jay Leno's apartment one night or something. He shot up the mall. They were best. They were good friends. But uh, it was, you know, it was ruled a suicide when he died. He shot himself in the head. But he left a suicide note. He left a note that he couldn't do this anymore. His manager showed up, I guess, and, and yeah, found he saw him there. He called was standing him to there come when by. it happened. But Freddie Prinze did an HBO special called Freddie Prinze and Friends. And he filmed it at the Improv, the Hollywood Improv. It had only been there, I think Bud had only been out there seven months or something. Mm -hmm. This is the club, I think, before it burned down. Because <laughs> yeah. I've seen it and I didn't recognize it as the club where I work. Um, but it was the type of show where Freddie went up and he, but of course, Bud Friedman opened the show. He went up and said, welcome everyone to, like he always do, evening at the Improv. Then he introduced Freddie Prinze, who went up and did about 10 minutes of comedy. Then Freddie introduced the people he chose to be on this show. His buddies. It's a it's a great lineup too. Jay Leno's on it. Oh my god! Did you see that? Did you yeah. check so out how Leno, how young he is? Yeah. Well, it blows me away whenever I see any like snippets of stand up with Leno because there's just not that much of him doing stand up that's out there to watch. He's kind of kept it close to the chest. He hasn't put out specials because he doesn't want to burn his material. But he's got in this. He's, he's real skinny. He's got an afro haircut. He's wearing a little hat. I don't know what kind of hat. Not a cowboy hat and a vest. And I'm thinking that's Jay Leno. But it was. I think it was his first major television appearance. It had to be. And it. Yeah. It's definitely not the Leno that we know. There's no, no. suit. It no. is the funniest hat that he's wearing. I yeah. highly recommend everyone look up uh, on location Freddie Prince and Friends just to see Jay Leno's hat. But <laughs> that was that became the format for all those TV shows of the 90s when he the, the improv all of them bud friedman introduced him they the celebrity guest host does a bit that he introduces about five comics all the way through to come up and do their time with the mc freddie prinz doing stuff in between yeah and uh, that was the beginning of that format so you know he owes, everyone owes him a big credit for that the uh, album we're supposed to be talking about which we uh, haven't mentioned yet is looking good looking, looking good looking, looking good. good that was his kid <laughs> catchphrase you know one yes. of us yeah it was the only album Looking Good. It came out in 1975. It's the only album Freddie Prinze did. That was it. People think there's this whole body of work that he left behind because he was such a well-known name. But yeah, it was it's not uh, that much. Recorded at Mr. Kelly's in Chicago, which I think we talked about during Mort Saul's uh, I episode. I think so, yes. But that was a huge club in Chicago. They would pair comics with musicians. And it was like a major place for Mort Saul, Shelley Berman, Lenny Bruce... Uh, a lot of these kind of like jazzier comics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the riffing comics. Yeah. And like there's a lot of great albums that came from there. And it's just cool that Freddie Prince did one there as well. You mentioned uh, Lenny Bruce. And then I know you guys probably know this about Freddie Prince. Again, he was depression and drugs and alcohol. I mean, he was crashing and burning. But for a while there, he dated Lenny Bruce's daughter. Kitty, yeah. Kitty. Yeah, and isn't that wild? 
he would go on stage and do Lenny Bruce's act. Oh man, that's just weird. That's <laughs> yes, just weird. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, and he would claim he had permission from Kitty to do it word for word. Would he do it like in an impression of Lenny Bruce? No, not that I know of. Or he it was sounded, just doing I the material. I never saw it. I, I can't find a clip of it or anything. Yeah. This is just you know in his bios and things right. people have written about him that he would go up and he would do Lenny Bruce's material and said he had the rights to do it because Kitty said he could do it. He dated a lot of interesting people. He was like linked to Pam Greer for a while. Oh, yeah. oh that's right. Yeah. And Richard Pryor's girlfriend. Wasn't she Cleopatra <laughs> Jones? Was that her big movie? Yeah. Yeah. She was yeah. beautiful and like really cool. I mean, it, of course, you're, if you're the hottest comic, you're going to, you know, she was, she was kind of a cool star herself. Yeah. So it just, uh, it really, you know, was living hard and, and fast. And even his wife uh, was saying how she would call his doctors and say, quit giving him these giant prescriptions for quaaludes. Stop bottles, it. You know? Bottles of quaaludes. Hey, yeah, and he'd go to just the doctor, come, hey, yeah, with big, the big jump, jumbo size. But he was mixing everything, Coke, yeah. alcohol. I think yeah. he, was, he was just this Jim Morrison type who was just devouring drugs and life. And, uh, you know, he even said to David Brenner once, um, you know, all these, young, all these dudes died young, man, you know, and they became legends. Oh, yeah. And Brenner about. said, wait, I know where you're going with this. And, you know, if you think you're going to be a legend if you die now, it's maybe 50-50, <laughs> you know? And if you live, and he goes, if you die, you don't enjoy all the success, and you're a schmuck. <laughs> That's yes. what he said. Yeah. So, you know. And if you die and you don't become a legend, what's the point? Yeah, so I think he was like, he could see that he had this obsession with, like, you know, that's a terrible obsession, really, isn't it? Yeah. To, to well, want to you know, die young. Is, you know, he had the fast cars, and he was known for carrying around a gun. He was into guns. And I always imagine, like, Elvis shooting out a television. You, know? you talk about Elvis, man. It reminds me of how he had this obsession with martial arts as well. You know, like Elvis did. And he, he got uh, Bob Wall, the guy that trained. He was in, like, uh, you know, the Dragon movies with Bruce Lee and... And he uh, got him to train him. And he said, yeah. I, I want to be able to fight. And uh, he, want to did, protect himself. Yeah. And did you ever hear that where he uh, kicked Bob Wall in the head, bloodied his face, put a towel on his head real quick, and then ran out with the towel and had it framed? <laughs> He's like, this is no. Bob Wall's blood. <laughs> and his wife, I think, still has it. You know? Oh, jeez. And he wrote on there like, look, this is Bob Wall's blood, and I kicked him in the head. and. Oh my gosh. It's just... Yeah, I think the story when he first went to that Bob Wall, he said, uh, I want to learn karate. And he goes, You know, why? So I want to defend myself. He says, There was a guy. He says, You're the guy to do it. He was saying, I don't have time for this. He thought he was getting into a different <laughs> business. So I'm getting into real estate. And he says, No, no, I want you. And he kept calling. He said, Freddie Prince kept calling, calling, calling. He says, Why are you calling me? He says, Because I heard your stuff works, man. He said, I was on a subway with a friend of mine one time in New York. The guy was a fifth degree black belt. And we were jumped by a bunch of guys on the subway. And okay, they're beating me up. That's fine. But I'm waiting for my friend to just knock everybody out. And I looked over and they were beating the heck out of my friend. <laughs> yeah. He says, So I don't want that kind of karate. I want the work. kind of karate that works. <laughs> it didn't work. But did you guys ever see the, uh, the fight he did with um, his Chico? He fought. Um, George Foreman. Uh, oh, to, yes. Yeah, it's, yes. It's, it's hilarious because he's a skinny, you know, shirtless, bony guy fighting George Foreman. And then he, he kind of beats him. And George Foreman goes, I got hit. He hit me. He's pretty good. You know, they, <laughs> they staged it and it was like Super Dave was the announcer. If you guys remember Super Dave. Yeah, of course. Super Dave Osborne. Um, Albert Brooks' brother. Yeah, man. Albert Brooks' brother. Yeah. And um, at the end, uh, he does... In the ring, he's you know talking about fighting George Foreman, and he does an amazing Muhammad Ali. His impression of Ali is 
is like, you know, Billy Crystal did one. This is yeah. much better. Wow. It's unbelievable. It's, it's, you, so you kind of, to Logan's point, I mean, he's an impressionist. He really could. He was, that's what he could really do. Yeah. He yeah. was mimicking voices. Like at least early on, that's his main, you know, routine. So you you wouldn't say the material was that really that strong? I mean, if you look at the the build and the joke and the you know, I think it gets stronger. The stuff that I saw from seventy five and seventy six is definitely more topical, and there's some political stuff in there. Mm-hmm. He's got more of a point of view, but definitely like the first couple TV appearances he did, they're kind of just they're lighter jokes. I mean, it's what you're doing on TV when you only have five minutes. That's hilarious. Well, you know, so do, do you do you think guys that that uh, like a lot of his uh, legacy, uh, you know, was built on the fact that he did Chico and the Man. That that really is what threw him. Had he just done the stand up, do you think we'd be talking about him if it was just the stand up? If he lived longer, then maybe. Yeah. But I think just because he died so young and there's not much out there of a stand up, there's one album and then some TV appearances that you can find on YouTube. Chico and the Man's definitely what's keeping him in the mindset of the public. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's also what he represented, too, at the time. Like I said, this that was taking us into the barrio, if you want to say, put it that way. That's the first time on television, so that's groundbreaking stuff. And that's really, more than his stand-up, you know, I think that was very important. I do, too, you know. If you look at it now, it's it's really, it is groundbreaking, and it is good. It's sort of all in the family. It, it, it was a third it was a third rated show from like on the family and then Sanford and son, I think were like the top two. Yeah, Top two and, and the, then Chico and the man with number yeah. three. Chico and the man. I, I never saw reruns growing up. So it was like a first time viewing for me this uh-huh. past week. And I watched the first two episodes and was like, Oh, I get it. I see why he was a star. Yeah. Cause he's just so like electric in that show. He is man. I think, I think that that's, and he was, he yeah. wasn't like known. He wasn't famous at the time. He'd done the tonight show, but that's his first big role and he just stole it. Yeah. Well, that's what Johnny Carson said when he brought him over to sit next to him. He says there was a connection there with the audience. He said, I can tell. He said, you're going to be a big star. He said, yeah. and Johnny Carson said, this show has made many big stars. He said, you are going to be a big star because I can feel that connection with the audience. The audience really liking you and you working on Johnny Carson. I mean, go find that clip. It's on there on YouTube somewhere. But yeah. uh, Johnny's calling it. You, This kid's got something. Well, let's get to the, I hate to bring this part up at the sad end. Of oh, Freddie the Prince, sad end. You know, Wait, don't tell um, us. Don't spoil it. Uh, it. It's just heartbreaking when you hear about what he had going for him. And really, he tried to reach out for help, from what I understand. Uh, his, his last night alive, he was making calls to his parents and his managers. And they said he all sounded pretty destitute. You know, there was, They were trying to get over there to him and all this stuff. at the quaaludes and the depression. His wife was filing for divorce and taking his son away from him. Yeah. But here he was riding the, you know, he had just signed that $6 million contract. He was starting yeah. Chico and the Man. The world was at his fingertips. Yeah, professionally, he was doing amazing. Yes. But his personal life was, he had so many issues. I mean, even though his son was born, he was now going through the divorce, like you said. And yeah. then he had that DUI. And it just kind of kept going downhill from there. You know, eight days before he kills himself, he did a set for President Carter. Yes. The so he that's a, yeah the, the the inaugural inaugural. So I mean that's a um, that's huge. Mm-hmm. That's like a, a a a big. You're at the White House, and, and eight days later you're like I'm I'm in the worst down I've ever been. Yeah, Can you, that was his last performance at the inaugural ball for the president of the United States, and eight yeah. days later, boom. But yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean it's just horrifying. And um, 
his business manager, now of course I can't think of his name now, and I apologize for that. I should have written that down or something. It was Jimmy Carter. No, that wasn't his manager. No, that wasn't his manager. That's but way he off. Actually, uh, came over to Freddie was living in a hotel at that time. Is that his, the guy Dusty? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm too bad. I can't think of his last name. Yeah. Well, Dusty. Dusty is manager. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, he went over there uh, to try to talk him down. And he was sitting there, and Freddie was all upset, and his neighbor was sitting there talking. Where Freddie reached under the couch cushion, pulled out a gun, and put it in his head, and shot it. Wow! See, and that was it. And like, oh man, he lived another day. I mean, it was like another day. He died the next day, so you know, yeah, they, he, they he could have survived. Life support. You know, it could have been a vegetable or worse. You know, I mean, it just, man, it just it. It's, it's a very sad ending, and I hate to end it that way, yeah. so sad, but it is true. I mean, what a talent he was. He did some changes. Again, I'll talk about what he did for the format of stand-up comedy on yeah. television, uh, yeah. breaking the barriers of Latinos on network television. I mean, before we end it, I guess we should just real quick go over everything he did in just a few short years. Just one more time to sort of recap, because he's 16 when he starts at the Improv in 1970, mm-hmm. works there for a few years. By 18 in 1973, he's doing Jack Parr's Tonight Show. Or his, not the Tonight Show, show, but Jack Parr Tonight. Yeah. Later that year, he's 19 doing Carson for the first time, gets to sit on the couch. 1974, when he turns 20, he gets Chico and the Man. Mm -hmm. 1975, he's 21 and he puts out an album and gets married. 22, uh, at 22, it's 1976. He does that on location that you were talking about and his son is born. And then 77 is when it ends. What a trajectory! Yeah, right? yeah. And, and the comment, you know, the ones I have talked to in the business. Again, I never knew Freddie Prince, but they they all seemed to like him. They all had a special place for him. They all felt bad for him. He was just a kid, and it all became too much for him. And I want to say, and I wish I could say this was definitely, but I'm working off a memory here of Bud Friedman telling me a positive. He told me this story that the night Freddie Prince died at the Improv Comedy Club because Bud is given all the credit, you know, for discovering Freddie. He's the first one to put him on stage. And they were close. And that's where they filmed that HBO special, too, by the way, at the Improv in Hollywood. Uh, when Freddie Prinze died, they put a bouquet of flowers on the stage at the Improv and shined a spotlight on it. And that was wow. the end of the show. I mean, it's about heartbreaking. That's yeah. how much they love this guy. Well, it, his son continues and talks about him and was on Leno recently. I don't know when it wasn't that recent. I guess a couple of years ago or whatever. But said, geez, you know, you're as goofy as your dad. I'm looking at you going, <laughs> look at you. You're, you know, you're... And then, uh, you know, he said, Jay... He, you know, my mother said you guys were best friends. You guys were really good friends, and uh, he loved he loved Freddie. Everybody did. Yeah, yeah. The Leno interviews with Freddie Prince Jr. are great because you can see how much Leno loved him. Like yeah. they were best friends. He taught uh, Freddie how to drive a car. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, saw that's one of the right. interviews. He was a terrible that's car right. driver. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why he had Jay Leno as his first guest on HBO's, uh, you know, Freddie Prince and Friends. Yeah. And you see that mm-hmm. Jay Leno clip. All right, gentlemen. Well, you know, we did just discuss a comedy legend, Freddie Prinze. You know, yeah. I mean, such a short life. It happened fast. Um, but yeah, people need to be aware of him and what he did and how important he was in the comedy business. But I guess we're going to be running out of time here, so we're going to shut this this comedy fest. <laughs> that, shut it that, down, that man. Shut it down. We ended on a sad note. But, it's you know, all right. Hey, well, you know, it's uh, yeah, comedy and sadness, right? Isn't that? It's they're very close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you need a laugh, drama. you need to cheer up. Go listen to Looking Good. Go yes. watch one of his specials. Yeah, you find him on YouTube. You know, laugh a little. He's hilarious. Yeah, yeah he really right. is, Freddie Prince. All right, I'm gonna say goodbye. I'm gonna say goodbye to uh, Logan Rashaw. All right, Dave. Thanks for having me again. All right, man. Thanks for being with us. And Tom Gallus. Yeah, man. It's been great, guys. 
All right. I'm glad you guys had fun. I'm Dave Schwenson. And until we uh, do this again, keep laughing. What's So Funny is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to executive producers Joan Andrews and Michael DeLoya, producer Sarah Wilgroup, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. Mad Magazine. Advertising mascots. B-movie posters. And cartoons. Oh yeah, can't forget cartoons. If you get the funky connection that ties these pop culture gems together, you'll dig two designers walk into a bar. See, we're a couple of creatively curious pals living between the bookends of grand museums and dive bars. Hey, you know the place. The sweet spot where highbrow and lowbrow become drinking buddies. So join our barroom chats as we talk influential work, and uncover stories of how the familiar became iconic. Think behind the music for the stuff we love. Check out our website at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com And listen wherever you get your podcasts or visit evergreenpodcasts.com. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.